Let's pray together. Father, we, we are told that it is in our surrender to You that we are truly free. Jesus Himself said the, the one who seeks to save his life will ultimately lose it, but the one who loses his life, her life, for Jesus' sake will find it. We thank You that You have come into this world, into our life, and that You hide us in Yourself so that we are no longer our own, but we are Yours. We are Yours. You are ours. We follow You. We trust You. Help us to follow You. Help us to trust You. Jesus, we pray it in Your name and for Your sake, together this morning. Amen. Amen. As uh, you walk out of this sanctuary every Sunday, you've probably noticed, or maybe you've not seen it in a while, if it's become overly familiar to you, but there's a wall, and on that wall there are pictures encircling a map with various clocks on top, and those pictures represent people that are near and dear to many of us in this room. And they don't just represent people, they also represent Various backgrounds, people who have a business background or uh, skilled musicians or artists, people who uh, are parents, um, have done all sorts of interesting things in their life, but they're kind of uh, just everyday people. Not necessarily those who have extensive education or seminary training always. Why do people like that end up in places all around the globe, in a particular area of geography, It's for this reason, because they have heard and they have believed the call of God that God calls all of us, everyone who has entered into a a relationship of depth and reality, understanding the forgiveness of Jesus and the new life He births us into, they have understood, and many of us in this room have understood that God has called all of us to be uh, what Henry Blackaby describes as on mission with God to actually be looking for what God is doing and to be involved in the things of God, to orient my life around that which is important to God and to not settle for anything less than that, to resist the uh, guidance in other directions. And here's the reason. Because God, for some reason, is pleased more often than not, rather than thundering His message from the heavens, He chooses... Ordinary and everyday people like you and me to both embody and to communicate His message for a lost, broken world that's in need of relating to Him. Everyday people like those on the wall. Everyday people like you in the schools where you go, in the workplaces, the neighborhoods where you live, the grocery stores in which you shop, the places you fill up your car with gas or where you plug it in. Wherever you find yourself, that is your mission field. That is what God has called you to. Sometimes He calls some to particular other areas. But what we all have in common is that God blesses. God blesses. Not just so that I can have a happy life. Not just so that I can orient my life around something bigger than myself. But God blesses for a particular purpose. So that through His blessing in me, God might bless others through me. The blessing of God comes to me, and then it works its way out to others. You see, we can bless others with the message of hope and love and the good news that Jesus has come to offer. The message that 
that knowing and being known by God is actually possible. And it's available because of what God Himself has done. You and I are blessed to be a blessing. Blessed by God in order to bless others with that same message. God's great recurring activity throughout the Scripture is one of missions. It's as if God wants to over and over and over and over again to remind you and me that He is a missionary God, that He is a God who goes, He's a God who sends, He's a God who is at work all around the world. There's nowhere on this planet where God is not right now at His work, even though we sometimes don't see it or can't perceive it. God is about His work, and He blesses you and me so that we might be blessings to others, not just because that we're so special, but because God is working His ministry through us. You are blessed to be a blessing. We're going to open our Bibles in Genesis chapter 12 this morning. I invite you to turn there. Genesis is a word that means beginnings, and uh, we're going to go back to the beginnings. We're going to start this morning uh, several weeks series looking at various mission uh, chapters and uh, reasons throughout the Scripture. Today is, is a bit of a, a groundwork. When you're building a building, it's always good to lay a foundation. That's in part what I hope to do today. I'm aware of the time. I'm going to try to be uh, somewhat brief. But we're going back to the beginning. We're going back to uh, Exodus, no, Genesis, chapter 12. Back to the story of Abram. Back to where God's uh, first message and invitation to be part of His missional work around the world began. And here's what the Bible says. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will what? I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be what? Blessed through you, Abram. Okay? What I hope to do today is to uh, help us see again that this blessing in order to bless others was not just for Abram. It's been God's plan from the very beginning. It's a plan that He's still working out today through you and your life, through the ministries of this church, and through our mission partners all around the world. I'm excited about this particular series because it's going to culminate at the end of November with uh, our good friend Don Dent coming back. Don and Ann will be back with us November 20th. He'll be preaching that Sunday. And then uh, our brother Cal Heaps will be uh, in the pulpit the uh, last Sunday of November uh, as he and Aaron be prepare for their uh, great mission adventure ahead. But November for us is also our Lottie Moon season where we uh, look to raise funds for Alati Moon, which is our missions offering, 100%. Every penny of that money which is raised goes to support the work of God all around the world. And last year, we raised the most money we had ever raised in this church's history for that particular offering, over $30,000. And I commend you, church, well done. But it's coming again. <laughs> the work continues, and the need is great. We first meet the Lord who encountered Abram all the way back in the first chapter of Genesis. Back where the Bible describes the earth being formless and void and darkness covered it. And into that darkness, into that shapelessness, into the void, into the emptiness, God 
arrives and He speaks and He moves into that, bringing something out of nothing, bringing something better and more. That is the God that we encounter that also calls Abram in chapter 12. If we were to back up and look through chapters 3 through 11, right before we encounter Abram in this passage, the Bible describes a world that at the beginning was a relationship of beauty and purity with God, and then that relationship was broken, and those chapters describe a world that had very quickly deteriorated into selfishness, into a distance from God, and we're seeing the effects of sin that break our relationship with God. We read stories like Cain and Abel, one brother killing another, of God uh, exercising judgment through the flood of Noah, of the nations trying to uh, rise themselves up to be equated with God, and God scatters them across the globe in the tower of Babel. You see, it's describing a world where there's spiritual darkness and there's formlessness and emptiness apart from God. And into this dark, purposeless, and empty world, God's call now rings out to Abram. God's telling us that He is not done, He has not left this world to just be to its own devices, because He's now stepping in to the world He created. He's stepping into the brokenness and the darkness and the lack of shape, and He's saying, I'm coming to give it shape and to give it purpose and to explain and to call people back to myself. I am blessing you, Abram, so that through you I may bless others. We are blessed to be a blessing. What is the blessing? If you were to turn over to Genesis 17, if you're taking notes, you might want to jot that down. Genesis 17, verse 7. God says, I will establish my covenant between me and you. That, in other words, God's saying, I want to establish, I want to, God says, to establish this special relationship with you, and I'm the one that's going to hold it together, even if and when you become unfaithful to your end of the bargain. God says, I it will establish my covenant. That is the blessing. So if Abram is blessed with this relationship, God says, through you, I also want to make you a blessing. Abram has received this relationship, and now through that relationship, God wants to extend the knowledge of the availability of that relationship to the entire world. This is the mission God that we serve and love. Why do others need to hear and to know about the love of God that is found in the person of Jesus. Why? Because God wants to shine His blessing into their darkness. God wants to shape His blessing into their formlessness. God wants to fill their emptiness with His presence and His blessing. That is the reason that you and I are called to go with God, to partner with Him, to co-labor with Him, to collaborate with Him in His work. It is such a joy. It is such an opportunity. It's a responsibility. And it is a calling that God places on His church and us in it. The promise unfolds not just with Abram, but it unfolds. We could look to many Old Testament passages, and we will in the coming weeks, but it, it unfolds throughout God's story. We're looking in the book of Genesis in the beginning, but if you were to open up into the, the first verse of the first chapter of the first book, of the New Testament, where uh, Jesus is now coming into the world in the story of God's work in, in the Bible, almost, almost nearly 
the very first word of the New Testament is the name Abraham. Abram has his name changed to Abraham, which means literally the father of many nations. Abram, I will bless you and through you, you will be a blessing. And he does become the father of many nations. The first chapter, Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, here's what the Bible says. The first words describing the coming of Jesus, it says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Sometimes you might read the genealogy in Matthew or Luke, and you might think, ho-hum, big deal. What's this have to do with anything? I can't apply that to my life and my work or my home. But there's reason for everything in the Scripture. And God opens up the New Testament announcing the arrival of Jesus because He wants us to connect to Genesis chapter 12 so that we see the promise that God made all those generations and thousands of years before is now being fulfilled in the coming of Jesus. Abram's promise, the promise to Abram, God says, I will bless you and through you, you will be a blessing. Now in the New Testament, when the trumpet is being blasted and the coming of the Messiah is being spoken and shared about, God announces that that great promise from long ago is now being fulfilled in the coming of Jesus. That's why it's important. Abram is the first name, almost the very first word spoken in the New Testament. Peter, if we're to look at Peter, chapter 3 of the book of Acts, Acts 3, 25 and 26, you can look at Peter's sermon. Jesus has lived his life. He's been executed on the cross. He's raised, been raised from the dead. And now he's ascended back to heaven. Peter now is standing outside the temple to Jewish people gathered there, trying to make sense of all of this. And Peter, this is what he says. He says, You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up His servant, Jesus, sent Him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. We could turn over to the Apostle Paul and many of his writings. One of them is Galatians chapter 3, verse 6. You can also find uh, fingerprints of Abram in uh, Ephesians and in Romans and other places. But listen to what Paul says. Just as Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, the non-Jewish peoples, by faith, he preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. What was the gospel? I will bless you and make you a blessing. Here's what Paul says, In you shall all nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Let me read that last verse again. So then... Those who are of faith, those living in the year 2016 who live by faith in the Son of God, Jesus Himself, those who have received the blessing of the promise of the coming of God's special one, the new life He calls you to, now you and I also are blessed with that along with Abraham, the man of faith. So what comes with the blessing? the opportunity and the responsibility to be a blessing to others. So what? Right? Big deal. <laughs> you have been blessed to be a blessing, and we are accountable. 
You and I both are accountable for our response to God's call. We are accountable for our active engagement in the mission task. Whether your shoes ever step foot on the African soil, whether you ever sweat it out in the humidity of Southeast Asia, whether you visit the high altitudes of South America, you are called... If God has called you in Christ, you have been called to involve yourself in the great mission of God. Wow! You are a missionary. Now, some of you will be called to go places. Cal and Aaron are among them right out of this church. In fact, tonight during our praise and prayer night, you're going to get a few minutes. We're, we're making several opportunities between now and middle of December for you to come and hear about Cal and Aaron's life and their story and to hear how God has stirred their hearts and is preparing them to actually be those sent out from this church. And I want you to know it's a pretty special thing to have someone like Aaron who's grown up in a church. She was a baby here, grew up here, and now we get the chance to send her out. And my hope is that more than just sending her, is that we won't say, God bless you, off you go. Is that we will go with them. And we will be carried with them in our prayer and in our ongoing financial support. If God opens opportunities to go and serve with them, that we'll be ready and eager to do that as well. The Cal and Aaron belong to us. If we get to send them out and we get to go with them, then I'm hoping that God will bind our hearts even more closely in the days to come. But you are called also to involve yourself. Sometimes it's giving. Sometimes it is praying fervently for the work of God to be unfolded through His servants around the world, through the work of God to be known through your life right here where you live it. What does the, God, the call of God desire? Or what does yeah, God's call, what, what is involved with it? I know the time. I've got four things for you really quickly. This is about laying a foundation for the weeks to come, okay? I want you to know, and I hope you walk out of here, and I hope you agree with me, that the blessing that God gave to Abram has now been received by those who have put their faith in Christ, and that we too are those who carry that blessing so that others might be blessed through us. I hope I've convinced you a little bit, or at least got you thinking about it. But here are four things that the call of God requires of us. Number one is action. Action. The Lord said to Abraham, Leave your country, leave your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. Literally in Hebrew it says, You yourself go. It's a way of emphatically saying, Abram, you go. Don't worry about other people. Abram, I'm talking to you. You be faithful to the calling I've placed in your life. Does that make sense? The calling of God always requires action on our part. We could look at Matthew 28, some of the last words of Jesus, or Acts chapter 1, when Jesus says, Guys, I've been here. I've taught you. I've shown you. I've done the work that only I could do on the cross. I now stand resurrected from the dead in front of you. Now... I breathe upon you the Spirit. You now, church, will go and carry forth the mission. I have blessed you in order for you now to be the blessing of God to the world. Imagine, I love sports. I love football. One of the things I love about football are the pregame locker room speeches. Right? What's the pregame locker room speech for? It's to rouse people to attention. It's to dig into the heart a little bit. It's to uh, get people to focus together on accomplishing a task. Now, 
whether you've been in one of those settings or not, you likely have read about them. You've likely seen them in a movie somewhere along the way. I'm so glad there's so many football movies these days. It's so good for me. But I want you to picture in your mind, we're about to go out from the locker room out into the field to play the game, and, and the coach is here, and he's giving us this big, rousing uh, pregame speech. Okay, he goes, boys, girls, we're about to go out, we're going to play this game, we're going to fight together, it's going to be hard, but you've got to keep going. I'm going to be with you on the sidelines, I'm going to be giving you guidance, but we're going to do it, we're going to beat this team, and at the end of the game, we're going to be happy with our effort. Are you ready? Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. Are you ready to go get them? Yeah. You ready to go fight? Yeah. You ready to go play hard? Yeah. All right. Kick your shoes off. Sit back. Turn the TV on. Let's chill out. Right? There's no action to the call. The call of God always requires our action and response. Sometimes that is an action to pray and to commit your life to pray for the movement of God's Spirit through your life and other people. Sometimes it's a commitment to give and to continue to give, maybe even sacrificially, to what God wants done. William Carey, who's known as the father of modern missions, he lived at a time a few hundred years ago in England when people talked a lot about missions. They talked a lot about what God might do, but then they never did anything about it. And he continually came back and he said, Are we yet again to do nothing? Are we to do nothing? Are we to sit on our hands and talk and talk and talk and not act? And William Carey was finally sent to India. And that really began a whole new movement for centuries now of missions around the world. Number one, the call of God requires action. Number two, it requires sacrifice. Abram said that you are to leave your country, to leave your people, to leave your father's household. God isn't saying that family is unimportant. Not at all. But what he's saying is that what supersedes any relational structure in our life is the response to God. What, here's what it is. It requires action, but it also requires an adjustment in our life. Right? If sometimes that adjustment means that I have had a vision of my life that God needs to readjust. I have thought this was my career path and I thought I would live in this place and my children would do these things. But God says, no, I'm going to plant a new vision in your eyes. I'm going to put a new dream in your heart because I want you to adjust your life to be responsive to that which I want you to do, God says. Abram had to readjust his thinking to readjust where he thought he would retire, to readjust what he thought he would be doing with his life. It requires sacrifice and a readjustment of our living. A new vision to be that which is God's vision for us. Number three is it requires trust. He doesn't say, Abram, here's your map, and here's the final chapter of your life story. I've written it out for you. Here you go. That's not what God does, is it? He says, Abram, I want you to go. I'm asking you. I'm requiring action of you if you're going to be faithful to the calling I'm placing in your life. It's going to require some adjustment in your life. You have to leave this place. You have to leave these people so that you can go and be involved with these other people. Because I'm doing something over here and I want to do something through your life. But then it requires that he goes to a land I will show you, God says. A land that I will show you. When I was about 19 years old, I did my first and only bungee jumping. Anybody else ever bungee jumped? 
All right. I see two other hands. The rest of you are much smarter than the three of us. <laughs> I got up when I was 19 years old on a 110-foot crane, right? About 11 stories tall. And I looked down over a gravel parking lot, and somebody had etched out in the gravel the outline of a body. <laughs> I said, that's just cruel. Those were some of my so-called friends. That didn't make... That, didn't, that wasn't very nice. But you know, I was a little more adventurous when I was 19, and my heart beat and thump, and I just, I said, God, help me, and overcome my stupidity, and uh, let this bungee cord catch me, and it did. I'm here. Praise the Lord. Well, this past, uh, this past uh, family camp at Mount Hermon, uh, the ropes course, they're always making additions into the redwoods there around the Santa Cruz, and uh, at one point, the new thing, at least to me, was this, I don't know, it was about a 30-foot drop, right, Owen, something like that? Forty foot? All right. Oh, see, the story grows. So, all right. So, when I got up there, we, we did it. But uh, all it was is a big wooden platform, and you have a harness, and it's connected to some mysterious mechanical device that you're supposed to put your faith and trust in, right? Because if you jump off of there, you're going to break legs and hips if that thing doesn't catch you, right? Stupid, right? Stupid for somebody to do that. It was a lot harder for me to do it this past Labor Day than it was 19 years ago, even though the distance was about a third. But I almost, almost went back, and it's okay to go back. They let you do that. But I finally, I just said, oh, Lord, overcome my stupidity. And I stepped out, and the thing caught me. But I tell you, my heart hasn't beat that fast in such a long time. I was so grateful that I'm standing before you today. Henry Blackaby, in his book, Experiencing God, talks about the crisis of belief. That when we come to the edge of where we sense God moving, we are asked again, are we going to step out and trust God? Abram was told, you're going to go to a land that I will, that I will show you. It's a future tense. I, I will show you when the time is right and everything's ready. You just need to act. You need to act now and you need to trust me. And even though we enter into a crisis of belief, boy, if we step through that, we will experience the faithfulness of God and our faith will grow and we are stretched and we become more in tune with the mission of God. Finally, is that God, it's God's work. It's God's work. Yeah, it's about us responding. It's about us being faithful, but it's the work of God. I want you to listen what he says to Abram. He says, I will make you. I will bless you. I will make your name. I will bless you. And through you, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. It's joining God's activity. God looks at you and me today, and He says, Follower of mine, I've blessed you with grace and with a relationship with me, and I want to work through you to bless others for my kingdom. That's the story of Cal and Aaron. That's the story of the International Mission Board. That's why we'll be collecting Lottie Moon funds. I want to close with these two questions. Number one is that God asks two important questions of you and me. Number one is, have I blessed you with the love and grace of Jesus? Have I blessed you with that? Have you received the forgiveness have you received and entered into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus? And then number two, it's always the follow-up, right, to get you. Are you allowing me to bless others with Jesus through your life? Are you allowing me through your life, having received the blessing of Jesus now, are you letting me, God says, bless others through 
your life. We're going to explore some of these topics in the days to come together as we prepare to enter into our Lottie Moon season. And my prayer and hope for us as a church is that we would be able to put up our sails in a fresh way. Do you know 20 years ago God called this church to Somalia and to the Horn of Africa? 20 years ago this year. And it seems to me, and maybe some others, that maybe God is moving or preparing us for at least a fresh season of missional involvement around the world. And where that is, that's my hope, is that we might explore that together. It's to enter into this grand adventure in a fresh way and to join hands together and to say, God, yeah, we'll, we'll act. God, yes, we'll adjust our lives. Yeah, God, we want to trust you because we know it's about you. So much more about you than it is about my life or this here. I want to be faithful in my response to you. Living God, that is our prayer, is that we would learn to grow in our faithful response to you. Sometimes it's easy to say, why, why do we spend so much time thinking and talking about missions? And it's because I can't hardly turn a page in the Bible without seeing it, without seeing you at work, calling people into it. Help, inviting us to participate with you where you're active and at work. And so we want to be that kind of church. We want to be those kind of people. Help us where we lack faith, fill that gap. Where we lack confidence, make us confident in you. Where we shake and shiver to step out and trusting you deepen our trust. Help us to be men and women who are faithful and our response to you, because you have been so faithful to us. You have blessed us, and now you call us to be a blessing. In your name we pray it all. Amen.